Welcome to New York Institute of Technology's podcast, The Scope. Produced by the College of Osteopathic Medicine, our episodes focus on the medical school experience and how it helps shape future physicians. Learn about exciting new health and wellness initiatives, cutting-edge medical research and technology, and how to effectively navigate medical school. We are excited to have you join us. Good afternoon and welcome to a special Dean Circle edition of the Scope podcast. I'm Nicole Wadsworth, Dean of the New York Institute of Technology, College of Osteopathic Medicine. It is my sincere pleasure to be joined today by esteemed physician, Dr. Arthur Klein at the majestic New York Mohonk Mountain House. I know Dr. Klein will agree with me. This is truly a beautiful place to have our discussion today. Oh, I'm absolutely thrilled. <laughs> Before we dive into our conversation, I'd like to provide our listeners with a few highlights from Dr. Klein's distinguished career to date. Thank you. Dr. Klein is a true innovator in healthcare, having served in many key leadership positions, including president of the Mount Sinai Health Network, executive vice president of the Mount Sinai Hospital, executive vice president of the ICANN School of Medicine, regional executive director of the Western region of the North Shore LIJ Health System, and the Philip Lenzowski Professor of Pediatric Hofstra North Shore LIJ Medical School. Dr. Klein's administrative career began at New York Hospital and then New York Presbyterian Hospital, where he advanced and ultimately served as the executive vice president and chief operating officer of the New York Presbyterian Healthcare System. He was also responsible for the professional services and strategies at the largest children's hospital in New York State, the Stephen and Alexandra Cohen Children's Medical Center, and for the quality and growth of the children's service line for the North Shore LIJ Health System. Dr. Klein has an extensive career history in academic medicine and administration. And most recently, Dr. Klein has graciously joined us at NYTCOM, volunteering with faculty and administration, working on a number of projects. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Klein. We're so grateful to have this opportunity to speak with you. Thank you, Dr. Wadsworth. As you know from many conversations I've had with you, I consider it a true privilege at this stage of my career to work with you, your faculty, and to help, I hope, realize the vision you and other senior administration have for the ascendancy of the College of Osteopathic Medicine at NYIT. I'm gonna go ahead and dive right in with my first question. So would you share a little bit more about your background and training? So most of my background, as you know, has been in academic medicine. And I wanted to continue the commitments I made to academic medicine, working by an, for an organization and with an organization like NYIT's College of Osteopathic Medicine, because I considered that institution to be a true star in medical education and clearly incredibly important for a host of reasons we can discuss in terms of the overall medical armamentarium we need for our population, for our society, for the future. Um, a large part of my career has been most satisfactory to me when I've been able to mentor physicians, physician extenders, and administrators. And you've given me the opportunity this year as a volunteer for you to be able to mentor people, to work with your faculty, to share some of my expertise, 
and quite frankly, as evidenced by this retreat, to also learn from your faculty. And it's been a wonderful day and a half experience for me so far. Wonderful, thank you. So um, to sort of springboard off something that you said, what, what kind of healthcare trends are, do you expect to see in the foreseeable future? So first of all, I think that we're gonna see much more uh, basically ambulatory based medicine. And I think that you're training doctors to appreciate that. And quite frankly, you and I have had some conversations about how we could advance training in the ambulatory sector. And I hope we realize that over the next year or two as I continue my seminal work, I hope, with NYIT, with your blessings and that of the rest of your leadership team. I also see that, that while we are more and more complex in medicine, we, we are losing, unless we reinforce it, the humanistic approach to our patients, to their diseases. And again, I think that the emphasis I've seen in the training at, at NICOM has clearly uh, evidenced to me that you understand that the humanistic approach has to be part of the holistic approach that osteopathic medicine represents. I also see that technology will play a part and it's very nice that the School of Osteopathic Medicine is part of an overall university campus where there can be cross fertilization across medical specialties and technology reigning supreme in that. And I also worry about the healthcare professional shortage that we face as a society. And that's why I think the training that uh, NICOM offers, the very, I think, prudent, but difficult step that NICOM took to open up a new campus in Arkansas is all part of an important response to, to having the workforce that we need in healthcare of the future. And very importantly, I also see, and it's part of why I'm interested in you and I have talked about public health, as part of the emphasis of what NICOM would like to enforce, that we also have a failure of the public health system in this country, unfortunately evidenced by the COVID epidemic, and making our doctors, our students, our administrators much more aware of our commitment to preventative medicine, to public health initiatives, to wellness is very critical. I salute NICOM, in fact, because part of the emphasis of this retreat is wellness. And that's a critical issue in dealing with being able to give the health care we need to the sick by keeping the healthy healthy. Well, thank you for that. You, you sort of hit on one of my biases around um, training. So certainly technology is going to continue to impact healthcare care for the foreseeable future and beyond. But as we become more technologically advanced, I think the communication and the human side of medicine is what will be most critical for our providers to, to give their patients. I think so too. I really believe that. And I'm, I'm delighted in what I've seen about the commitment at NICOM to really teach young doctors and medical students how to communicate with patients. You know, when I went to medical school and I would venture when you went as well, we learned that 95% of diagnosis was listening to the patient. Absolutely. And, and, and that skill is being lost unless we reemphasize it. Now, now diagnosis is technology, it's testing, it's scanning, it's imaging. But there's still a lot that can be learned about a patient and their illness just by talking to them. And certainly we understand that if there's gonna be a cure or if there's gonna be 
a preventive element. Bringing the humanistic element back in is absolutely critical. I completely agree. And I think one of the things, you know, I'll um, be a little critical of medical education. We're really, really adept at helping students figure out how to find a diagnosis. I would dare say we're not as adept to everything that happens to a patient after that diagnosis. I, I think you're 100% correct. My other bias, Dr. Wadsworth, is this, and you and I have actually had this conversation. We need a whole new if you would survey a whole new study about where American medical education needs to go. Because not everyone needs to be everything anymore. If you have an interest in basic science, and we certainly want some of our graduates to go into basic science because new science will give us new cures, they need to be directed in a way that gives them more laboratory exposure, more basic science exposure, more perhaps molecular biology, immunology exposure. But similarly, understanding that we need a true workforce dedicated to communicating with patients, to being available for patients, to really being superb clinicians, we need to figure out how we emphasize and track that. So we have real challenges in terms of facing medical education in the future and recognizing not all doctors can all be all things. You know, I'm old enough to remember when we graduated from medical school, we were told we were capable of being what we used to be called a triple threat. We were told we were capable of being educators, researchers, and clinicians. Those days are over. They are different skills and there's too much knowledge and there's too much emphasis that needs to be stressed. So we need to be aware of who we are, what we want to teach, how we want to teach, and what the end goals of that teaching will be. Hearing you say this really excites me because I agree, there's so much to know. And, and I tease the medical students now that when I finished medical school, immunology was perhaps half a volume. Right. I, I don't think I can count all the volumes of immunology that we've learned in the, in the last two decades. That alone is, has exploded. I also want to emphasize something that has impressed me at uh, NICOM, and that is you have a diverse student body. And that's so critical when we deal with what our society is grappling with now, which how do we improve access, equality of care and equality of outcomes. And I'm so happy to see the diverse student body bringing their community experience, their commitment to community, and bringing a whole new face to American medicine. I agree, and I, I love to see the diversity of students and the diversity of thought, as well as problem solving. So speaking of challenges, I'll, I'll sort of ask you to expand on that a little bit. Um, what, what do you see the greatest challenges for physicians today and into the future? Well, number one, um, clearly the, the degree of knowledge they have to have is extensive and it keeps increasing every year. And what it's made them feel is inadequate for their patients. And so again, we need to help them we need to help them through continuous medical education of the type that we're doing at this type of retreat. We need to help them in terms of the specialty decisions they make because that can help them focus their attention. That's a critical aspect. Number two, I think we need to teach our doctors to embrace all medical providers. At the level of physicians, we need the kinds of things I've seen happen in the last few years, which I hope accelerate which is comparable and integrated training programs of medical doctors and doctors of osteopathy. 
with a cross recognition of the skills. And at other levels, we need to encourage our medical colleagues to support the growth of nurse practitioners, of research assistants, of advanced technologists, et cetera, so that we have enough of the workforce we need. Also, we have a challenge in this country, which is widespread, which is we talk about a healthcare system, but you and I know we're a disease-oriented system. We're not a health system. And that's the orientation that we need to face is missing, and that's the challenge of the future. So teaching preventive medicine, teaching our doctors how to educate their patients about wellness, teaching our doctors how to appreciate when there are socioeconomic challenges that perhaps they can't fix, but they can at least recognize, they can at least acknowledge to the patient, and then by virtue of that acknowledgement, hope to find solutions. And, and I think that ties so nicely into your other comment about really looking at medical education and what do we need to accomplish with it today. Exactly. And I'm excited that when you and I go around the country in our various capacities, talking at other conferences, speaking to our peer groups, I do think there's now a general recognition amongst deans of medical schools, amongst senior educators, that we need a broad-based commission that really starts to look at what does medicine need in terms of how one trains for it for the 21st century? Absolutely. So on that note, what kind of advice would you share with medical students starting early on in their career and what they should think about in the short term? So I think something that drove us to medicine, if I can say, because I think we've come to know each other very well, is first continuing to reinforce, despite all the challenges, that A, medicine is a noble profession, that there, I can't think of better ways to devote one's life than to the betterment of our society, the betterment of individuals. Number two, to say to them that despite all the challenges, some of the best and the brightest in our society go into medicine, go into medical education, go into medical administration. So we have the intellectual firepower to rise to those challenges and that the people who are in leadership positions realize what those challenges are and are committed to work to solving them. Number three, to say to them that we're not in a plateau in medicine. The things that I think we'll see in our lifetime in terms of, as you mentioned before, immunological resources brought to cancer, brought to some infectious diseases, technology that will make diagnosis even easier, Ways to educate, as we learned, that can be virtual in addition to face-to-face, -to -face, each one of them having an important value. So I think telling students that, yes, there are challenges. Yes, you're going to hear from some doctors, woe is us. <laughs> yes, you're going to hear people disappointed in, to some degree with what healthcare is available to them. They're choosing a profession where they can make a difference. They're choosing a profession where they can partner with us in rising to those challenges. And whether your benefit is seen by you on the individual doctor-patient relationship you have one-on-one, -on -one, or seen by you as an educator, knowing that the hour you spend with 10 students is gonna have a magnifier effect on a population, or what you and I do, which has to be valued in terms of a population, not an individual approach, all of those 
are, are things to celebrate. And all of those are things I think we should be proud of. So coming full circle, Dr. Wadsworth, we should still be proud to be doctors. We should still be proud to be in this profession. Thank you. Thank you. So as we're closing, any last thoughts or comments you'd want to share with our audience? No, I think that I want to say to them again, medicine is noble. I want to say to them again that even though we are busy in our lives, even though we often seem preoccupied by the multitasking we need to do, when push comes to shove, each and every one of us in medicine cares about the individual. And we need to figure out a better way to convince our populations that that's indeed the case and that we're going to make an impact in that regard. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Klein. It's been my sincere pleasure to talk with you today concerning your insights, experiences, and expertise regarding healthcare and medical education. And Dr. Wadsworth, I want to thank you, as I've said many times, for the privilege of working with you and your faculty, for, for taking my love of education and embracing it and letting me bring that to, to your institution. You're welcome.